Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and like us on Facebook on It's a Long Beach Thing. We have a great show for you today. We have a good friend of mine, Ben Goldberg's on the show today. Ben, how are you today? Fantastic, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Great. I got to tell you this. When When I started this podcast, I had a short list of people I wanted to reach out to. And you were definitely one of the people on, on the list because I know how much Long Beach means to you and how you've been ingrained in the community. So I wanted to pick your brain about the city and, and see what your thoughts are. No, no problem. Always, always happy to talk about Long Beach. Very cool. So let's get into that. What is, what is your connection with this great city of Long Beach? So I was born and raised here in Long Beach. Um, was born at St. Mary's Hospital and uh, went to... Uh, he, uh, Raw, uh, Hill Junior High School, which is no longer a junior high school anymore, and Wilson High School and Long Beach City College and uh, raised, uh, have two children, both of which uh, went through the uh, the triangle. They went to Lowell and then Rogers and then Wilson. Um, and then my son, of course, went on to San Jose State's uh, baseball stardom and uh, now is a uh, a working man in the Long Beach area. His, his territory extends from Orange County right here in Huntington Beach down to the traffic circle in Long Beach. So that's his territory. So he's still in Long Beach as well working. I'm working. My office is also in Long Beach right there at the congressional place, uh, right closest to Seal Beach there on Pacific Coast Highway. So yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm here. I'm, this is, this has been my city and my, my life, my, you know, my whole career and, uh, and uh, family have been raised here. So yeah, my father before me was a Lakewood High School guy, not his fault. His parents just didn't have the money to live in Long Beach. So it's okay. And uh, it was always fun to watch him root for uh, for Wilson when they were playing Lakewood. And we beat them every time when my son was pitching for sure. So anyway, so, <laughs> so that's my deal. Right on. And 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 what, what, in your opinion, what makes Long Beach so special? I know you grew up here, obviously there's nostalgia, but what makes it special in your heart? Well, you know, I will say that it certainly has changed over the last um, decade or so. But but growing up here, especially and raising the kids here, I will tell you that it was always the uh, the big city, uh, small town feel. You know, you had to, you, you knew everyone uh, walking down the street, um, in, especially in a very tight knit east side of Long Beach, third district, fourth district, fifth district area. A uh, lot of community involvement, a lot of people, a lot of the same faces. Uh, that we either grew up with or who might have coached uh, my son or, or someone in Parks and Rec or someone I work with in the you know, Parks Department or just anyone you can imagine, people that can afford to live here in Long Beach uh, certainly uh, enjoy um, all the benefits of, of being in Long Beach. So it's just, it's just a great town. I mean, you, know, you got between Belmont Shore and you got the coastline and you got the, uh, the great golf courses. I mean, really, it's a it's you got it all and you even have theater if you want theater and you've got concerts in the park and you know just just great local fun stuff to do where you don't have to get in your car and drive to LA 
you know, and that's uh, that's not something people like to do. And, uh, you know, you can do it all here in Long Beach, basically. Absolutely. And uh, at one point in time, you owned a restaurant called the Beach Club near, uh, I guess, 7th and PCH there, which that's where I, I met you there. How did, yes. how did you get involved in, in wanting to do that? Well, I was living down the street from that location. I lived in the, in the hole or University Park Estates, depending on how old you are and if you know the area. Um, and I used to frequent uh, Pete's at the beach. And before that, it was Bon Gusto's. And before that, it was Pizza Eatery. When I was in uh, junior high school, we used to go to Pizza Eatery and play the video games and go have pizzas and everything like that. So I knew the location well and had been speaking to the owner about possibly buying out uh, Legends uh, with because I felt like, you know, Legends had been had been burned down. There was a fire and they weren't rebuilding and they were running out of money. And there was a big story behind that. And there was some possibility that it might be in play. And uh, that never happened. Um, but when Pete Kukoris, who owned Pete's the Beach and Bogusto before that, um, ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw uh, during the economic slowdown, 08, 09, um, he wanted to get out and he called me and uh, I had a few investors that were interested as well and felt we could do something with it and uh, do a better job. And so we put together about three, three people, three local families, and um, we bought them out and uh, kind of reinvented it a little bit, made it more of a local people. You know, uh, Pete's from Huntington Beach and he wasn't really local even though he had restaurants there for a long time, he didn't know the, the youth sports community and other things like that. So we went ahead and uh, kind of revamped it. And uh, for a while there, we had a really good thing going, uh, making uh, you know good money and, uh, and enjoying the community at the same time. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I believe there was an article written about you by Doug Corian. is that that's, that's where you guys met when you owning uh, the, the beach club and he coming in for a beer. And I think the story goes that he sat down you correct me if I'm wrong, but he sat down and you said, hey, you'll be writing about my son one day. He's the next Sandy Koufax. He's going to be pitching for the Dodgers one day. That's right. That's exactly what I told him. And he thought, you know, just like many fathers before had told him the same thing. He was still intrigued. And uh, he actually came to a few of the high school games that he pitched in. And uh, and like I said, he was just a couple of, uh, couple of clicks away from uh, playing for possibly the Angels or someone else that was uh, – speaking with him until his arm started getting a little, little injured and uh, he decided it was time to, to hang up the cleats in his senior year of college. But yeah, he almost made it, but he did write a lot of articles about him in high school and he wrote a lot of articles about him as he was progressing into his scholarship and everything else. So he, he certainly had, had some print. Uh, and a few of those articles are behind me uh, at my office. I'm very proud of those articles. And um, yeah, it's really a really good guy. And Doug and I are very good friends. We remain friends and, uh, uh, even though he's retired from writing, he, um, uh, him and I reminisce about a lot of that stuff. So yeah, it's very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. And, th and what, that's one thing I, that, that I love about you, Ben, is your tenacity. Uh, you, you have a great heart, but you're not afraid to, to say what's, you know, so what, what's on your mind with the community and what you're doing. And you've done some, uh, some wonderful things. Talk about a little bit of what you're doing in the community now to improve Long Beach. Well, I'm glad you asked that because, you know, during the pandemic, uh, things took a dramatic change for me personally, as well as the community itself, as you know. And um, I ended up moving out of Long Beach and I'm now in Huntington Harbor on the water here uh, in Sunset Beach. 
And um, and that's that not decision, a bad place to be either though. No, no, it's not. It's not too far either. I'm able to get to my office quicker now than I did when I had my house in Long Beach uh, over there in the hole. So uh, just it's three three lights, and if I hit them all, I'm there in about four or five four or five minutes. So it's pretty pretty funny. But um, you know, a lot has changed, and um, right now I think Long Beach is at a very big um, tipping point. Uh, it's the demographics have changed dramatically. You know, the military has now has been gone for decades. Uh, we still have the VA hospital, so it keeps people, veterans coming into the area, but they're not necessarily all living in Long Beach like they once did. And with the shipyard closing and transitioning to more tourism and and uh, and then more focus on the port, of course. But um, the real concern I have, uh, and I'm now, I'm still the chairperson for the Long Beach area uh, Republican Party, and that is uh, it goes basically to my home. It's basically Huntington Beach, Seal Beach, and then all of Long Beach, basically. Los Alamitos, a little bit of that, a little bit, a little bit of exposure to, to Los Al as well, but it's pretty much just the Long Beach area. And um, you know, we're really pushing hard for for Susie Price. Uh, you know, she's not a Republican uh, officially. We're not endorsing her because we are a Republican organization and we're chartered with the state of California, so we cannot officially endorse a Democrat, but she is still a very moderate. She's what I call a Kennedy Democrat. My parents were all Democrats. I'm actually the first Republican in my family. Um, and so, you know, even they uh, are shaking their heads, wondering what in the world is going on with not just Long Beach, but of course, Los Angeles and, uh, and all these liberal sanctuary cities. And uh, we are starting to see the result of that. So I'm concerned. I think that Susie will help uh, stop the bleeding. I don't know that she's going to have enough um, uh, influence to really make big changes because the council will still be leaning heavy left, um, regardless of whether she's mayor or not. But I think that she certainly will ensure that uh, the next uh, four, eight years, or even 12 now that they can do three terms, um, we could certainly um, not go further into the abyss, I like to say. Um, and that's that's really the concern. Her, can't, her opponent is also a Democrat, but he's a absolute far left, uh, almost socialist uh, Democrat. And he has publicly come out uh, against the police and against law and order. Um, he's, now he's backpedaling like the rest of the Democratic Party is about that. But, you know, without a safe city, you've got nothing. And uh, that is the most important. And it shows the fact that the, even though the fire um, union did uh, back him, uh, that was a side deal that was made years ago when he was running against uh, Garcia. That was kind of a deal that was cut. Uh, and I think that the fire department had no choice but to kind of go with that, with that, um, that promise. But the police department, uh, the police officer association did not endorse him and endorsed Susie Price. And that speaks volumes because normally both fire and police will will endorse the same candidate, especially for a citywide um, office. They don't like to go uh, opposite sides, and um, it's going to be a very tight race. So someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. But the good news for the fire department is that um, one second here, sorry. The good thing for the fire department is that um, is that uh, even if even if Susie wins, she's not going to hold the grudge that. Uh, that of course Rex will against the police if, if he wins. So so the, the fire department's in good shape if if heaven forbid it goes against us and Rex wins, um, they're gonna have an opportunity to still um, get the same respect uh, and commitment uh, to service 
uh, that they would that they would uh, regardless. So it's 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 a it's a win win for the fire. But the police, I really hope for their sake that uh, Susie does win, um, and for the sake of the citizens of Long Beach because their safety is certainly on the decline. Um, and that's my biggest focus right now. And and if, if for some reason Susie is unable to win, um, that may be the last uh, local race that I'm involved with in Long Beach. Uh, and I say that to you, I'll still be involved with congressional seats or state legislature seats if there's a Republican involved. But quite frankly, if, if Susie uh, does not win, um, there won't be anything left to, to salvage politically anyway. Uh, for sure. So anyways, that's kind of, that's my take. I don't mean to sound like a downer, but that's the reality of what we're facing right now. And part of that is due to um, the current mayor who's now running for Congress, who will win that seat uh, probably very easily. Um, and this is not a slight to him uh, directly, other than to say that, you know, my whole life, we tried to stay out of the shadow of Los Angeles. We were our own city. We were proud of that. We had a lot to offer and we had our own health department. We had a lot of other things that separate us from Los Angeles. And we were always in their shadow uh, just kind of because of the fact that LA is so large. And I will tell you that when this pandemic hit, our mayor couldn't run fast enough to go lockstep with Los Angeles, uh, LA County and, 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 and all of uh, the Los Angeles uh, mayor and, and so on. And of course the governor uh, because he knew he was going to run for um, Congress and he needed that chip. Um, and so, unfortunately, the citizens of Long Beach now are, are going to suffer as a result of that, um, uh, especially if Rex wins. Again, he'll continue that momentum in, uh, in basically liberalizing the entire uh, system. And that's, that's kind of scary, but, you know. Well, what practical changes do you think that need to be made to improve the city of Long Beach? Well, I, the problem is, it's not just a simple, uh, oh, just hire a bunch of extra police officers and now we're back in, back in business. They've, they've basically gone lockstep with how they treat the police officers. And now it's, the, it's criminals' rights, it's criminal rights over victims' rights. And that's more of an LA County dic, you know, dictum. Obviously, they tried to, we, try, we tried, we were very active in trying to get on the ballot the recall um, of uh, Gascon. Uh, who certainly didn't do us any favors. Um, and, you know, so it's not so much what specifically we can do that's going to just fix the problem, but we need to put people in charge that are adults and understand that there are consequences here. And the problem is you have, again, Rex will do exactly what Mayor Garcia did, but even better because he has more practice and he's, and he's going to, of course, go with the, the, the minority card will be big for him as well. And so he's going to really use Long Beach as an example of the criminals are important. They've been they've been oppressed. And so we need to be more open to other ways in handling the crime. And and that's a sad reality. And so if he's in there, that's what you're going to you're going to see is you can see more emboldenment of the criminal. And we're seeing it in Chicago and we're seeing it in D.C. and we're seeing it in these other cities. And and nobody seems to care. Uh, no, nobody seems to be saying, I mean, don't get me wrong, I shouldn't say nobody, but nobody that has any authority to make a change are willing to step up and go against screen. Of course, we do have that wonderful LA County Sheriff, um, uh, Alex, uh, Alex Villanueva, yeah, who I love, and I didn't, I supported his opponent when he ran. Um, but I will tell you that even though he is a Democrat, 
and he does have some uh, liberal uh, ideals uh, in the background, he has certainly uh, risen to the uh, challenge and has enforced the law and has given uh, citizens rights for a concealed carry and have done a lot of things that his predecessors would never do. And uh, of course, it's getting him in a lot of trouble, a lot of heat in, in the press from those LA County supervisors that just can't stand him. Um, and it's going to cause even more riff when he wins again here. And uh, they're going to try to unseat him through the through the uh, county supervisors. And I'm hoping that the uh, citizenry that vote in, I believe they're going to vote in Caruso for mayor, which is great. He's basically a Republican who switched to uh, independent uh, for the race because, you know, being a Republican is much harder to win in Los Angeles, especially. But um, he is basically a Republican as far as the way he'll manage the city like a business person. And he will uh, have uh, Villanueva's back, I am 100% sure of. And so that's going to be, and hopefully those same voters that vote for Caruso do not allow the um, the county supervisors of LA to have the authority to fire the uh, elected uh, sheriff. That would be a, a disaster. Um, and that would send a, a terrible um, precedent uh, for the rest of the, um, for the rest of the city, rest of the state, rest of the country. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. We're really looking at this as a holistic approach because, you know, the homeless problem was here before, but it's only gotten worse because again, it's more, it's the homeless rights, you know, let them camp right out in front of someone's home. And, 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 and because the way the laws are there and out of Sacramento to protect them, um, there's nothing the homeowner can do. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to sound like a person who doesn't care about homelessness. There are ways to address it. Susie has a plan. She's gone over it a few times at different uh, venues. But uh, the bottom line is, I think as a property owner who owns a $3 million, $2 million home in Naples, I should not have to worry about uh, guys that are, that are strung out on, on drugs and everything else, uh, wandering around my neighborhood and camping out and, and basically staking out uh, the area so that they can rob and, and cause mischief. And, and I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's getting bad. And not, not just in the bad areas, now it's all over. It's, it's absolutely rampant. And again, the police officers, their, their hands are tied. And, and besides just with that issue, the, the other part of their hands are tied is if you got a guy that's, that's got 25 years in and you get a domestic dispute call, you're, you're going to do everything you can to avoid actual anything, any actual law enforcement, because you might get end up if you do the wrong thing, they're going to immediately back uh, the, the, the assailants, OK, the, the person causing the, the problems and you could lose your pension and go to jail. And so that that message is out there. And so I, I feel terrible for the for the uh, law enforcement. And, and then again, they're they're shooting at uh, firefighters, too, because they're the first on the scene and a lot of crime scenes. And uh, the criminals don't don't care. They don't care whether they're police or fire. They got a uniform on, and they they'll shoot them too. And we've lost the uh, uh, firefighters uh, to that. And um, anyway, it's 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 a it's 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 a problem. And we need to really. And I'm hoping and praying that the people that are, that are are paying attention get off their couch and vote and get in get their mail in ballot in um, because I can assure you the Democratic liberal machine is getting out and they're walking areas that normally don't vote, collecting ballots, stuffing the boxes with them. And that's going to be a problem. And that's, that's why it's going to be a very tight race. It should be a, it should be a no brainer. Susie Price is a Democrat. She's been a good Democrat, but she's a fiscal conservative and she gets it about law enforcement. She's an assistant DA 
to one of the most conservative district attorneys in the entire country, okay, over here, Spitzer, who, who's absolutely amazing, uh, also taking a lot of heat for being amazing and saying it the way it is, because heaven forbid you actually say something that sounds anything close to off, um, off the official liberal uh, uh, language, okay, you're now a racist and you're a bad person and you should be, uh, you should be punished for it. And that's, uh, and that's what's happened, unfortunately, to the city of Long Beach. And, and I'm hoping that we could, like I said, stop the bleeding. And that's what I'm going to be doing. I mean, I, that's my, we've got a big barbecue coming up uh, for um, the, just our, our annual barbecue. We've got a lot of Republican candidates coming to speak to us, both Orange County and uh, the Los Angeles County for uh, congressional seats, as well as state legislature and others. And uh, we're raising money and we're doing what we can, but we're doing it legitimately. And we're not doing it through through these crazy, you know, uh, we're not, we don't have the uh, Soros money flowing in, in the back door. Uh, we're doing it legit. And we're going to try one last time here to, to, to get things, make things right, um, you know, in Congress as well as uh, the city. So there you go. Other, other than voting, obviously, I mean, that was a big thing that you're talking about, get out and vote. But other than that, as, as citizens of, of the Long Beach area, what can we do to, to improve it? Because, you know, obviously, you know, there might be a chance that, you know, and, then, and, and that's just life, you know, we don't always get the candidate we want to get. And we have mm -hmm. to, we have to live with that. But what can we do as citizens, you know, regardless of who is elected to, to make this city, you know, uh, improving? Well, we have, you know, neighborhood watch uh, programs have kind of, you know, again, funding has gone away for that. There's just been a lot of areas that have been cut. And so, but I still think that citizens like, again, in my neighborhood where I lived um, in University Park Estates, we still have block captains. We still call each other. We still communicate. And I, and I know that, that the East Side has a, a probably one of the best systems as far as different neighborhoods. But I think what happens is, is a lot of the people that were very active for all these years are now getting very old. Um, and, are, and some are dying and, and we don't have that same um, commitment to community that we had. Um, and again, a lot of the kids that couldn't afford to live here that grew up in Long Beach had moved away and a lot have moved out of state. And so we need new blood in the local street by street communities and people have to get involved. If you, otherwise, it's gonna, you're basically gonna be a victim to whatever uh, some random act uh, occurs. And so you have to have people willing to do that. And, you know, I'm 52 now. And when I ran for city council, I was in my twenties. Um, and, you know, I was a commissioner of the city for 20 years and I served um, and did a lot of uh, good things for the park system and for the marinas. And, and I was able to, to uh, get lots of donation money to the, um, the Pony League program and the Wilson High School program and for underprivileged children uh, with the Long Beach Youth Home. And I was president of my association for, for eight years. And, you know, I did everything I possibly could do to make sure that at least um, there was someone out there keeping an eye out for everyone. And we need more people like that in their 20s and 30s and 40s that can come out and do that. And I don't know what it's going to take uh, you know, it's obvious that when obviously a terrible crime occurs, then you get the community coming out and outrage. But, you know, people need to speak up. If they see something wrong, they need to make a, a concerted effort to reach out to the, to, to the police department, to reach out to the city council and tell them we're not going to sit here and let you ruin the city and just stand by and watch. 
You're going to lead here. This is not just a stepping stone to your next political office. And that's the biggest problem is that every single one of these people that come in here that have not grown up in Long Beach, that don't have the historical knowledge, okay, institutional knowledge of this city. They come here, they tout their liberal agenda, and they get themselves noticed for one reason or another. And then they go on to state legislature and they leave Long Beach citizens, me, Ben Goldberg, and the rest of my friends, uh, basically held, holding the bag of their bad decisions that they didn't have to live with. In other words, they make these ridiculous, stupid decisions, but they're not here long enough to see them blow up in their face. And by the time it blows up, they're already in, a, in the state legislature or running for Congress or whatever else they, 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 they do. You know, they, they use us uh, like, like oil, like a commodity, okay? And then they, then they throw us out, they don't remember us. And that's um, unfortunate. And that's, uh, you know, we, and people have to just wake up to it because that, you just look at the pattern. Uh, you know, Beverly O'Neill was a wonderful woman. She grew up here. She understood the importance. She came in during a, a time of transition for the city uh, where we lost the shipyard and we, we had to transition to tourism and other things. She did a great job starting that off. And then Bob Foster um, came in and really did a nice job trying to, to do some good work regarding the uh, businesses and what have you. And, uh, you know, now we've got these yayos that are worried about naming the library after a, a first lady uh, of a president who never visited Long Beach, you know, who didn't grow up here. I mean, you know, that, but that was great for, for his future uh, to be uh, to the next level. So that was what that was more important than, than fixing the homeless problem or, or, or getting, getting businesses more streamlined uh, processes to get licenses. Okay. And then, and then they wanted to make sure they shut the city down and kept it shut down even after we had the vaccines. Okay. Longer than they needed to do. And ran out all these business people that have been here for decades, okay? And so that's that's why you've got board up shops in Belmont Shore, and 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 that's why you're seeing you know a different element that's controlling the levers because the people that know what's really going on have vacated, and and it's uh, and I'm, I'm very sad for that. I was hoping my grandchildren, I was going to keep the house that I lived in, and raised my kids in for 25 years. I was there. Um, for my son or daughter to raise their children. And I realized this city was not headed in the right direction. And, and there was no reason because my kids may not be here. Uh, they may be in South Carolina or, or, uh, or Tennessee or, 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 or Nevada or Arizona or some, some other state that might have a little more understanding of the importance of schools and law and order and, and, and children. I mean, the school district Jill Baker, who I was happy that actually took over uh, the school district, really did buckled to the unions um, and did not do her job to fight for those kids and uh, left them out of school way too long. And that's going to become a bigger problem as these young kids become uh, teenagers um, and the socialization skills that they lack. Um, so, you know, th there's lots of things. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think I've gone off on a tangent for you. Sorry about that. But uh, but that's that's what you, that's what people need to be aware of. They need to get they need to get serious about it. And if they do, we can stop the bleeding. Turning it around is going to take years. It'll take at least a decade. But at least we can stop the bleeding and start moving in the right direction uh, in the next few years. Uh, that would be a tremendous uh, encouragement for for us to get back on track. So. So you, as you being Republican, obviously the city of Long Beach. Uh, sways left you know, mo most of the time. So uh, obviously you run into a lot of, uh, I would say a lot of uh, 
resistance, shall we say, about your your political agenda and and you're a very strong person and you don't hold back. Obviously, uh, we're just talking with you right now, you don't hold back. Where do you get that strength? Because I'm sure there's times where you're out and about and, and you know, you got you're you're in, you know, these conversations with people that disagree with you. I mean, there's got to be times where you're just like, man, like I, I don't want to fight every time I, I go outside. So where do you get the strength from? Well, I, I mean, first of all, the city was not always left leaning. OK, um, Steve Horn was our congressman who was a Republican, a very good Republican for a very long time, ran Cal State Long Beach. So Long Beach State was considered a more uh, right leaning a university out of the uh, Cal State system. Okay, so this has happened over the again the biggest transition has been over the last you know since uh, since Robert Garcia took on as mayor and uh, and again I'm not blaming it all on him because it's definitely a societal issue, but I can tell you that the timing is is uh, is 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 eerie because it's really it really wasn't always that left and even uh, uh, we always have had a very large uh, uh, gay community gay population and they don't necessarily um, lean super left. You know, that, that's that's the portrayal now with this, with all the transgender and all this other craziness. But really, for, for many years, they were very moderate, uh, level-headed uh, community of uh, people just like anyone else. And they didn't have to be Republican, but they at least knew uh, what was right and what was wrong. Um, and and I'm not talking about social issues. I'm just talking about just issues, period. And, and, and so so I don't know, I go out, my strength comes from, from really knowing the fact that I actually know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been here, I've seen it, I've lived it. I didn't just serve on boards with my name on it, okay? I was always either vice president or president. I didn't go there to waste my time. I didn't go to, if I was in a committee or on a, a task force of some kind, I was there to get something done. It wasn't just to sit there and make myself feel good, okay? And so, when people do disagree with me, obviously, I'm smart enough to, I'm socially um, adaptive, okay? I'm not gonna start screaming at the top of my lungs or start creating a, a, a real hard confrontation. If I know the person just doesn't either doesn't get it or um, is totally opposite where I'm sitting, I we just change the subject. I mean, you know, I, there's enough things. The great thing about my life is I have a wonderful, wonderful life. I have two healthy, successful children. I have a wonderful wife of 29 years now. So, you know, um, I live on the water, you know, I, I drive nice cars, I, I do nice, th I do things. My life is great. I wanna give back to the community and that's why I've always wanted to give back to the community because I feel very blessed. I feel I earned it. No one handed it to me. My parents didn't leave me any money, not that there's anything wrong with inheriting money. I've got lots of great friends that have inherited millions of dollars and I'm very happy for them. But most of my friends are still very successful in their own right. They're not just, you know, trust fund losers that, that didn't never did anything with their lives, just got money. These are successful people in their own right. And then just happen to be lucky enough to have parents that left the money or, or were able to help them out. You know, I bought my first home with my earnings from a very large uh, couple months I had in the in as a stockbroker and was able to buy the home that I lived in for 25 years without any help from any relatives or anything else. You know, and, and so I I. I I don't have empathy for people that don't want to help themselves, but I have all the empathy and, and compassion in the world for those that are less fortunate and that, that were especially children. I, I put very high emphasis. Most of my work that I've done in the community has been for children to make their lives better. Um, there were lots of times where my son was 
in tournaments and, 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 pro, and things that were away from the area. And I, we were the first ones to load up two kids that were, that may had parents that were both working and couldn't go. And we would take them on these trips or we would, and we would pay for whatever needed to be paid for. And that was just the right thing to do. And that's what we did. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's what the century club does. I was president of the century club. I know it's surprising. I was president, but yes, 2019, I was president of the century club. We raised our membership from an average of about 300 to 520. Um, and that was the efforts of the entire board, of course, but you know, it, it's not by coincidence. Okay. We're back down to about 300. Of course, the pandemic was a, a majority of the reasons why we lost quite a few, because a lot of few businesses just didn't make it. And we had a lot of business owners that were members and, you know, just through attrition and not being able to be out in the community and not having any sports for a year, you know, you lose membership. But my point is that we raise money since 1958 for underprivileged youth or high achieving youth, non, I should say, non-professional. And we give out about uh, 60, 70 grand a year uh, to help fund uniforms for schools, you know, Cabrillo and Poly and some of the less, you know, less uh, uh, fortunate uh, financial area schools, as well as Wilson and Milliken and, and Lakewood. So we do, we spread it out. But my point is that I put my heart and soul, I was on, I'm still on the board um, and I put my heart and soul it because that actually did something. We have people come to us and we give them money and we make the difference between whether that kid can play and be part of a good thing or, or get into trouble and, and join a gang or whatever else that they may find if they weren't playing the sports. And so that's, again, we need more people like that. We don't have enough people that are, that you know, everyone now is, is it seems like they've, they, every, especially the COVID, but even before that, their people are, are, are concerned about their own families and they care, but they're not as uh, concerned about going out there and, and doing something. And we do have a lot of very generous people, though. I mean, and some people can't. Some people are too old. You know, they're 70 years old. They're 80 years old. They're not going out there shaking trees and, 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 and kissing babies, okay? But, but they write checks. And, again, it goes back to what I was talking about with, the, with this, the direction of the city. The more and more people that move out that have a, have a history with the city and sell to the next rich guy that comes in that, work, that lives, works in L.A. and just wants to be further away from the, from the destruction – uh, of, of the uh, of all that uh, terrible going on in downtown LA, um, you know they don't know anything about Long Beach. They're not committed to the community. They don't, you know, they just they bought a place on the water or in Naples or or in Belmont Shore or, or or wherever, and they're just happy to be away from you know the direct uh, targets of Los Angeles. But they don't, you know, and we need to we need to get the word out, and we need people that are still here uh, to do it. I mean, and you know, your podcast. Is about Long Beach, and that's great. And I hope my I hope my words get out, and I hope it resonates with some people that say to themselves, you know, what I need to get involved, and and you know, and they can reach me if they want to be involved in, in the Long Beach Center Club. You can show up. We have meetings every week. Uh, you can show up to one meeting a year. You can show up to every single week, and we have a speaker uh, uh, three out of the four weeks where we will get the coaches from Long Beach State, or we'll get the president of Long Beach State, or we'll get City College. Or, or the coach from Wilson High School baseball, or all the all the football coaches. So if you want to know what's going on with with uh, amateur sports in Long Beach uh, and want to raise some money for some kids, you know, there's there there are opportunities out there. And the more we do that, the more people get involved and become aware of the problems, 
and how to fight them and how to change things, that's how we're going to get things turned around in Long Beach. And that, and that, and that can happen because again, it's not pick on uh, Garcia or any of the other current council members, but I can tell you one thing. If you have not been in this city for at least 10 or 15 years before you run for office, you don't have the understanding of what the community needs as far as Long Beach community, okay? Anyone can tell you that the roads need to be replaced, okay? And the garbage needs to be taken out. That doesn't take, then there's no difference between Cypress or Long Beach or Orange when it comes to those issues. But Long Beach is very unique. It has lots of different communities. We have lots of different nationalities. We have a lot of different interests. And if you don't know the city, um, you can't serve it right. And instead you'll just use it as a platform for whatever future endeavor you may have. And it will have very little to launch, most likely. I wanna transition a little bit because you were talking about you having a good life and you do have a good life, but you've had some hardships in, in your life. You, you battled cancer that you, that you, you beat, that you beat. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with your can-do attitudes. Can, so can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I can tell you that you're right. That definitely that definitely gave me even more focus. I always had a little bit of focus, but that certainly uh, was a wake-up call. Um, I had been, that's one of the reasons, that was the driving reason why I sold the, the, um, the beach club. Uh, so I, it came down with cancer when I owned that uh, restaurant uh, and the stress was too much for the cancer. But um, yes. I was very lucky. I had, I was, I was overweight uh, and 40 years old and I had too many diet Cokes during the day and was in the middle of the night. My heart was palpitating very rapidly. And my wife said, you're over 40 now you're 40 and you're overweight and your heart's palpitating in the middle of the night where you were woken up. You got to go see a cardiologist, your doctor, right? away, doctor. Actually. And then I went to go see my doctor. He did an EKG on me. He said, you know, he said, you know, the heart fluttering. I said, the EKG looks okay. He says, but I'm going to send you the cardiologist anyway. Went to the cardiologist, Rex Winters, great man, has his practice over there in, uh, in Cyprus, right? He used to be at Memorial. Now he's, now he's, he works through Los Alamitos, but he has his own practice, has all the 3D imaging of the heart, the lungs and everything else. So he puts me in the machine and I go, um, I'm never forget the day I went and dropped my kids off at the dirtbag game. And he, he called me and he said, I've got good news and bad news. He says, the good news is your heart's fine. Um, the bad news is uh, you've got cancer. And he found it right over my heart. It was right over my heart. And he had brought me in. I didn't know this at the time. He had brought me in one more time. And he brought actually a guy who knew cancer, not an oncologist, but someone that could recognize it and to make sure, and then he told me. And so I went to go see my oncologist, um, Mario Curdy, great guy also out of Los Alamitos, that big, ugly brick building. And he said, there's no way your cardiologist found cancer. And I said, no, I'm telling you, my family has a history of it. I had, I had a Hodgkin's lymphoma. My parents both had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, the good news about Hodgkin's is it, it moves fast, but it's treatable, very treatable. The non-Hodgkin's move slow, but it's much harder to kill. So he said, but I'll give you the, I'll, we'll do the, uh, uh, not, not the MRI, but whatever it was I had to do. Can't remember now what it was, but, um, and sure enough, they found a cancer both over my heart and under my arm. And I was in stage two B 
And um, the good news was that they did find it in the second place that wasn't over my heart because to do a biopsy on that particular set of cells could have put me in danger of dying on the table. So they did the biopsy out of my arm. They found it. Um, I went up to City of Hope for a second opinion. They confirmed the treatment that I was going to do in Los Aminas is what they would do until it didn't work. And then they'd say, come see us if it doesn't work. We've got other stuff, but this is what we would do right now. So I stayed in Los Alamitos and after chemo for, you know, for three months and uh, radiation for another month, um, I was cancer-free and I've been cancer-free for 12 years. So I'm 52 years old now and I was 40 when it happened. So uh, yeah, but you know, once you go through that, uh, then I lost a hundred pounds and, um, and I've kept it off. Uh, I'm right at uh, 195 and I was right at 300 when at the high mark, when they gave me the steroids, I puffed up like a huge balloon. I was about 270 before the, the cancer. I'm the only guy you'll meet that actually gained weight and kept his hair during cancer treatment, but I was able to do both. Um, and um, so I decided if I'm going to live uh, past cancer, I better get my, my butt in gear. And so I, I lost the hundred pounds. I work out every day. Uh, six days a week. And, um, and I try to watch what I eat, but I, I sometimes don't, but I do, I do enjoy the occasional drink, which is my only vice now. Um, and so anyway, yeah, so that, that really made me focus on what was important um, and really gives you more of a, you know, now I've done it all. Now I've seen death. I've looked it in the eye. There are no do-overs. There are no dress rehearsals, you know, so I'm living it to the fullest. I'm doing everything I want to do uh, because you can't take it with you. And really, um, you just never know. I mean, just because I beat cancer doesn't mean I can't get it again. And just because I beat cancer doesn't mean I can't get another disease or I can get hit by a car. So, you know, you know, it's all the same. So I lived every day like it's my last, but I'm careful enough just in case I'm around the next day. <laughs> So, so tell me, like, I mean, there had to been times, especially when you're going through chemo and radiation, that there were days that we were like, man, this is awful. What kept you going? What was, what was your thought process that kept you going through those tough times? I wasn't going to let, uh, my son was just entering high school, just entering. And I really, and I'd seen kids whose fathers had passed away um, before they graduated high school. And uh, not just personally, but just, just in, in society itself. And my biggest thing was, if I wasn't going to beat it, I was at least going to make it through his formative years and see him into, in, off to college and not because a lot of kids can go very different direction when they lose their parents, either one or both, God forbid. Um, and so that was really what drove me was I wasn't going to I wasn't going to I didn't want to be an impact on, on what his life direction by dying. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. And the worst part of the whole process of cancer was the not knowing, because even though I had already been diagnosed with the cancer and they gave me the treatment, you don't know until you're just feeding your body. You're sitting there getting this poison pumped into your body, not even knowing if it's working. So that was the worst time was because after the first cycle, they stopped and then I tested and they said, good news. It's almost gone. So then I went through the last two cycles. I was very encouraged that it was going to be wiped out completely. So it wasn't as hard the last few months, but that first month especially was 
devastatingly hard, painfully hard. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, you do what you, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I just had, I just didn't, I wasn't gonna give up. I didn't feel like 40 was my time. And uh, you know, uh, God and, and this gentleman, uh, like I said, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the fact that my wife pushed me out of bed to make sure I went to the doctor. And then if it wasn't for Rex Winters, which they did an article on him as well. And, and he saved my life. Um, you know, I wouldn't be here, you know, wouldn't for him. So I, and I see him still, and he just lost a lot of weight. He looks better than he's ever looked before, but he sold his practice. He's still practicing, but he sold it to PIH and he's still in the same building and everything else. But, but uh, he looks phenomenal and he was heavy and a cardiologist being heavy doesn't make a lot of sense, but he was, and now he looks great and uh, he should be around for quite some time. So anyway, it's, that's, that's the, uh, that's the story, man. Right on. Well, let's let's go back to a let's end it in a more of a lighter note. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what places what places in Long Beach do you like to go to hang out and to eat? Well, I mean, anyone that knows me, anyone that's on Facebook knows where I go. If I'm boat not house. at the boathouse, if I'm not at the boathouse, I'm nowhere. Okay. The okay. boathouse is not only is it down the street from my office, it's the only place I take clients that come in for a review or anything like that. It's the only place I like to go and see my friends. We have a Friday uh, lunch that weekly that I'm there and uh, I'm probably in the, the boat and we've got our meetings at the boathouse for the Century Club, uh, which was also a part because of the fact that uh, myself and Gary Coe and a few others uh, frequent the business as much as we do. They, we were given that space in the back there to, to meet, which is great. Um, and yeah, I mean, the boathouse is it, obviously, but but of course, I will give you a few more because they, they are great places and I do go there often. I love, of course, Casey Brannigan's fantastic place in Naples. I like, uh, I like George's if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I want a nice, nice dinner and also be at the scene of the Naples crowd there who hang out frequently there. And of course, dogs and my buddy's place, Jade, uh, for Chinese. Um, they've got, they've got sushi. They've got a little bit of everything, but I will tell you that they, there really are no good Chinese food places here that have a nice atmosphere and a full bar. Uh, other than Jade, and so I do like to go to Jade, but uh, no, there's there's a lot of lot of fun places, and of course we just had our uh, social. We do once a month the uh, the uh, Century Club moves their meeting around to, to patronize other places. We just had our social downtown at La Opera, and you know after they you know after the city allowed it to burn down, and the and the uh, current uh, uh, chief of police at the time, uh, Luna, who's now trying to run for a higher office, shocker. Um, who let the who let the city burn? Um, anyway, the opera's back. It's the it's the same great service, same great um, uh, people working there, and uh, atmosphere is still absolutely impeccable. So, as far as Italian places go, that is the go to spot in Long Beach. And if you have not been there, or have not been there since the destruction and the resurrection, or the uh, the rising phoenix from the ashes, you got to go back because it's 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 a cool it's a cool place. And it's, uh, it's somewhere to go and see. So, yeah. Awesome. Is there any last words you want to leave our, our, our audience with? Well, I just, like I said, I, I hope, I hope that this wasn't too boring. I didn't go too off the, off the, off the radar, but you know, the city of Long Beach is a very special place and will always be a special place in my heart. I, I, I want to, I want it to be that same special place for the next generation and the generation after that. It's going to be fine regardless for me and my friends and, and especially the ones that are older than I am, because we're, we're at the back nine, maybe the back four, you know, and so we're going to get through it regardless and we're going to enjoy it as best we can. But the real people that, that need to see it 
as the next generation. And if we don't get involved and we don't wake up and, 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 and yell from, the, from, the, from our rooftops to get involved, um, Long Beach won't always be uh, the same Long Beach that, uh, that I enjoyed uh, and, and continue to enjoy. Uh, so I hope, I, hope that, uh, I hope it hits home for some more people. So thank you for letting me speak. I enjoyed it. Ben Goldberg, thanks so much for coming on. I know you're extremely busy. I follow you all over social media. You're always doing something. So thank you for taking the time to uh, talk, with, talk with me today. Absolutely. Have a wonderful day and have a great, uh, great rest of your week. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's it. It's a Long Beach thing. Thank you for tuning into It's a Long Beach Thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.